Well, as of a few days ago, Canada's Supreme Court officially has a new member, Justice Michelle Obonsawin. Her appointment to, to the Supreme Court was formally confirmed by the Prime Minister's office. She is Canada's first Indigenous Supreme Court Justice. As the Prime Minister's uh, announcement notes, that she's a widely respected member of Canada's legal community with a distinguished career spanning over 20 years, was appointed to the Ontario Superior Court of Justice in Ottawa in 2017, becoming the first Indigenous woman of that court. Now, obviously, there was something deliberate uh, on the Prime Minister's part in selecting someone of Indigenous background. And I think many have argued that that's long been a glaring absence when it comes to the Supreme Court of Canada. So how are we judging uh, when it comes to a proper appointment to the Supreme Court? When we look at qualifications, everything else that goes into those considerations, what makes a good or maybe a not so good appointment? We tend not to in this country scrutinize these appointments nowhere near as closely as they do in the United States, obviously, where those confirmation hearings uh, can become uh, quite the political sideshow. But these appointments do still matter. Uh, you know, judges in Canada uh, do see things differently. And obviously, when it comes to those who have served on the bench, there are qualifications that can be measured, and, and some are more qualified than others. Which brings us then to a, a big question. Is this appointment somebody who is qualified to be on the Supreme Court? Our next guest has some concerns which are laid out in an opinion piece uh, running today in the National Post, nationalpost.com, on some of the political motivations here and maybe some of the limited qualifications when it comes to this appointment. So joining us to talk more about uh, some of these issues, why it, it matters, and again, how we judge whether someone is properly qualified to sit on the Supreme Court of Canada. Very pleased to welcome to the program here this afternoon, Leonid Sirota, who studied law at McGill University, now teaches public law at the University of Reading in the U.K., you read more at his own uh, blog, doubleaspect.blog. Uh, Lena, great to have you with us here today. Welcome to the program. Uh, thank you, Rob. I'm very pleased to be here. Uh, so let's start with some of your, your concerns or objections here. What is it about this appointment or this justice specifically uh, that you think does raise some, some questions? So uh, Justice Obonsuin had a career before becoming a judge as an in-house lawyer, this is a perfectly respectable, important part of the legal profession, but this is not traditionally where judges, especially Supreme Court judges, have been drawn for, from. Um, it's, I really don't want to be to come across as denigrating the people who do this work, sure. right. but it's, it's not the kind of really intellectually challenging or high-profile work either in on behalf of, of clients in private practice or in academia, which have traditionally been regarded as uh, being the sort of the sort of practice where one built up one's understanding of the law, one's knowledge of the law, one's thinking about the law that then would become the pathway to a judgeship and eventually and especially to the Supreme Court. Right. There are obviously so, a lot of judges in this country and not every judge is necessarily qualified to sit on the Supreme Court of Canada. But, but what's the criteria 
that we use or, or ought to be using when it comes to Canada's highest court? That's a very good point. We have hundreds of judges who are all doing important work and most of them good work. Uh, all the judges that I've ever met were working hard to the best of their ability and some of them by my lights are better judges than others, but they, they are all doing important and valuable work. That said, as you say, Rob, not all of them should be Supreme Court material. There's only nine judges on the Supreme Court as compared to many hundreds on all the various courts across Canada. So what are we looking for? Well, legally, the requirements are very, very limited. We have in part by law, in part by convention, we have requirements that have to do with regional regional representation on the court. So there have to be three judges from Quebec, three from Ontario, two from the West, and one from the Atlantic provinces. Beyond that, the legal requirements are really very minimal. You have to have served as a either as a judge or as a, being a lawyer for 10 years, and that's about it as a matter of law. But of course, we want a great deal more than that. And then there is all kinds of considerations that a government might take into account, some of them very properly, some perhaps less so. Ideally, you want a diversity of experience on the court. You want some people with, let's say, criminal law background, some people with uh, background in, in litigation, some people maybe with more academic backgrounds. You want people Overall, I think you want people who are serious thinkers who will not be afraid of exercising an independent judgment and pe people who can ask themselves difficult questions about sometimes even the nature of the law, the relationship between law and justice, sometimes the, rela the appropriate relationship between the courts and the other branches of government. You also want a certain temperament in judges as well, and uh, an independence of character, uh, and that sort of thing. But you 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 do want on the Supreme Court, especially, a certain degree of either career achievement or perhaps intellectual achievement that shows you that this person who is then going to hold office until the potentially until they turn seventy five. So maybe for 10, 20, or even 30 years, you want to have some confidence that this is one of the the best lawyers in Canada, one of the best judges in Canada. It's no slight on a person to say that she's a perfectly good lawyer, but not Supreme Court material. When it comes to considerations that I guess we would consider political, I mean, you know, being from a certain part of the country is not a qualification or, or a certain gender is not a qualification or being bilingual is not a qualification. But clearly, all of these things do come into consideration. In this case, obviously, there was some importance placed on having an indigenous member of the Supreme Court. Again, that, that is somewhat political, but how, how relevant are these kinds of considerations? Is, is it something that... that should be, uh, you know, factored in. So this is this is quite complicated. So for one thing, I would say in terms of where you come from, those regional requirements, they are part of the Constitution. We 
may or may not like them. Parliament reaffirmed their importance just a few years ago uh, at the time of the appointment of Justice Rowe. So this is more than just a political consideration. Of course, it's political at root, but it's a requirement of the Constitution. Bilingualism, I would also say, so I differ from the Prime Minister and from many other academics in thinking that it shouldn't be seen as an absolute requirement, mm -hmm. but it is very important. And I think it, it can, it's, it's, it's not just politics, it's part of because the court hears cases in both languages. And although it does uh, have very good translation services for the oral arguments, it, the translators are not available to translate all the written submissions, which are also a very important part of the case. So being bilingual is, this is not just politics, it's a very important part of your qualifications, although I don't think it should be absolutely mandatory. Then there is other things, including, as you say, well, shouldn't we want to have an indigenous judge? And I would say, I think because there are so few lawyers who ever make it to the Supreme Court, there are many more who are qualified than those who will ever in their lifetime receive this appointment. I don't have necessarily a problem with these diversity considerations being part of, of the story. What I would say is that they come, they come in once you have established that these, the person whom you're considering meets your expectations in terms of other qualifications, in terms of being hopefully a great jurist, in, in terms of having the credentials. And so if people think, well, Mr. Trudeau had to appoint this person because it's really important to have an indigenous lawyer on the court. What they're saying is no other indigenous lawyer is better qualified. That's something I'm not convinced of. Back to why this matters. And, and as I said in the introduction, I don't think the Canadians pay close attention to this. Most Canadians probably couldn't even name a single member of the Supreme Court, let alone all of the justices. Uh, so why does it matter? Uh, why should it matter that governments get this right? Yeah, so this, this is a really good point. And, and you, you see people trying to make a virtue out of our relative ignorance about the, the Supreme Court. Yeah. Now, I think... You know, being a legal academic, it would be very easy for me to say, well, everybody should pay attention because you want people to pay attention to the stuff that you're particularly interested in and people have other important things to, to that they care about. So I'm not sure that everyone really needs to know the names of the Supreme Court judges off the top of their head. But that said, uh, I will point out, so just by way of, of one example, there was a case decided about a year ago, a little less than a year ago, called Ward, about a comedian in Quebec who had said some very unpleasant things that he probably should not have said about a disabled child who became something of a celebrity. Mm -hmm. And so the, this comedian made, uh, made jokes at this child's expense uh, that led probably, or at least was an element in the way that this, this child was bullied in school and so on. 
so there was a lawsuit about whether this comedian uh, should uh, pay damages for having said what he did. And the court divided five to four in, in f ruling in favor of, uh, of Mr. Ward, this, the comedian. Now, so this is a closely divided decision. If one judge had ruled the other way, the case would have come out the other way. Right. And this would have mattered because that would have potentially opened the door to liability, uh, especially in Quebec, but perhaps, perhaps also in other provinces as well, to people uh, for having said things that were simply offensive to someone and hurt someone's feelings. Now, maybe you think that this, is, this would have been a good thing, or maybe you think that this would have been a terrible thing. Either way, you should care that the Supreme Court ruled the way it ruled. And as it happens, this was a very close case where one vote would have changed the outcome. So it does matter who the judges are. It does matter what they believe in and what they think, how they approach the law and how they approach the judicial role. Uh, Russell Brown is uh, one of the members of the Supreme Court. He was uh, appointed by Prime Minister Stephen Harper. Now, at the time of, of that appointment, it, it was similarly controversial. There was some who wondered whether uh, Russell Brown was sufficiently qualified. Uh, some of his previous writings had been seen maybe as, as too political. But I think since then, I, I don't think there's really been that criticism that, that I think, you know, Justice Brown has established himself as a, a very capable, competent member of the Supreme Court of Canada. That's sad, then, is it, is it too soon to judge this particular appointment uh, and, and how this judge, uh, Michelle Obonsawin, will, will perform on the Supreme Court? So those are two somewhat different questions. Right. It is too soon to judge how she will perform. We don't know that for sure. I do. I would like, I'm happy to have the chance to say that. Yeah. We don't know for sure. We we can guess, but those are those should not be very confident guesses, because it could well be that she will perform in a way that will surprise me, and you know, in a positive way, because my expectations are low, perhaps, mm -hmm. in a way that will surprise the people who are praising her appointments. Uh, maybe they will not be so happy in a few years. So that's very true. We we don't know for sure. On the other hand. I don't think it's too soon to judge the appointment, right. the appointment itself, because as we were just saying, it is a very important part of, of, what, of the government's job, especially in relation to justice and in relation to the court, that whom it appoints. Well, I think we can pass a judgment on what the government did, and we have to do that based on the information that, so far as we know, the government had available to it. And so that's what I have been trying to do. This is not a judgment primarily, at least, on Justice Obonsoin. It's a judgment on the people who appointed her on the basis of what strikes me as very average qualifications, not the kind of qualifications you would want to see on the Supreme Court, and also the answers that she gave to a questionnaire that uh, prospective judges are required to fill out, which, as I argue in that piece in the Post, 
uh, and and on my blog don't show very high level thinking about the role of of the court. I think we can pass a judgment on that, and we can say that the government appointed somebody who does not appear to have thought in a very sophisticated way, and someone who does not have a wealth of the sort of experience that you would perhaps expect on the Supreme Court. In that sense, we can say this is this is a bad appointment. This is an appointment that should not have been made. Is it possible that we will nonetheless be surprised and Justice Obonson will turn out to be a very successful judge? Yes, that is possible. I'll leave it on that note. As mentioned, uh, your piece, uh, it's up at thenationalpost.com today and uh, much more as well as mentioned at the Double Aspect blog, doubleaspect.blog. Professor Sirota, thank you so much for joining us here today. Appreciate the insight.